We've got a few in our community that have been studying really hard. Um, we've got some finals coming up, and we have some graduates that are going to be stepping into a new place in their life. And so if you are graduating from the university, from a university, either undergraduate degree or a graduate degree, um, would you just stand up? We would like to celebrate you this morning. Awesome. Let's give them a great hand this morning. Uh, remain standing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to take one more step. We'd just like you to come down front, if you would. We won't embarrass you, but we actually want to give you something. Yeah, too late, right? Uh, we actually want to give you something, put something in your hands, and then we'd like to pray over you. Uh, we uh, know that this has been a lot of time, a lot of energy that you put. If you just kind of face the, the, your family and friends here. Of course, our first prayer is that we are praying that all of them will stay in Tulsa uh, for the rest of their lives. Now, okay, there's probably some moms and dads that are praying different than that, but uh, their prayers are not as important as ours. And so, uh, anyway, we are excited about um, this new adventure in your life. We know this has taken a lot out of you. It's taken some, um, it's stretched you, but we are trusting that um, God is going to plant you in a very significant way. We'd like to put a couple of books in your hand. First one is Pastor Ed's The Vow, and then uh, Janice and I would like to give you The Making of the Marriage, Making of a Marriage. Um, not all of you are married or necessarily even inclined that way right now, but probably will be one of these days. And so um, if that'll be a little while in the future, you can dust that off um, in, in a few few months or years down the road. And so... Um, but again, we um, appreciate the deposit that you've made in Sanctuary, and we hope that you'll take something of this place and spread it, spread it around. So if you would just pray with me as we um, lean our hearts their direction. Lord, we thank you for each of these lives, Lord. We know that you formed them and fashioned them from the very beginning in their mother's womb. You created them with a purpose, a unique design, and now as they've been educated and they've worked very diligently to, to have a degree and some graduate degrees and they're moving to another phase of their life, we trust that they're not just going to get a job to get a job or get in a graduate program just to, just to get in a program, but that you will be very specific in how you lead them. Lord, that you will open the right doors for them. You will close the wrong doors. You'll make it obvious for them, Lord. We know that they each are gift. They are a gift to the world. And we know that you will not waste your gifts. And so we trust that um, you'll pay for this education, Lord, that they just received and uh, worked hard for, that you will bless them financially, that, they're, that what they put their hands to will flourish and that they will find a provision there. We also pray that that purpose and design that's deep in their heart will come alive, that they will be energized by the work that they get to do now. And so we pray that you'll protect them as they travel and some go back home and that you'll cover their lives. Lord, we do thank you for um, spouses that you have in mind for them, um, those that aren't yet married. Um, we thank you that you have your future or their future in your hands, that it's a promised land. It's a really good place. And so we honor them, God. And trust you as King of kings and Lord of lords in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him another hand. Bless you. Just think, the last finals week. Yay. I want to say something quickly about date your mate. Um, I would, yeah, thank you. There we go. 
go see whoever that was and tell her, yeah, ask her about Date Your Mate. Brent and I have done uh, marriage weekends for years all over the country, and our team develops the best weekend that we have ever been on. It is such a wonderful balance of having some interaction time with other couples, but also just having time with your spouse to have fun. We've gone to many that you spend so much time sitting looking forward that you don't feel like you got any time to be together. And this is just a really refreshing time. So I would encourage you to come if you possibly can. We also have three couples that would really, really like to come and they cannot afford it. If you feel led to scholarship partially or fully, one of our couples, or all three of them, feel free. Um, we would really appreciate it. So if you would contact Lawrence Joyner, I think his information's in the bulletin. And Lawrence, let him, Lawrence there <laughs> there's Lawrence right there. And uh, let him know that you would like to uh, scholarship a couple. It would be a real blessing to those couples. And it really is life-changing. I know we hear that all the time. But they really are life-changing weekends. Have you noticed that sometimes when we, that we get the wrong um, um, understanding of a thing because we see it from a wrong perspective? Have you ever seen pictures from the wrong angle? Like that one? I don't know what that is. Is that a chicken? Is that a chiropractor? Could it be Satan? That's just weird. Um, know about that one. I don't know what that is, if this is a Narnia kind of wedding or exactly what that might be Narnia also. <laughs> Pretty bizarre looking. We want you, or there's something going on in his nose, I'm not sure there. <laughs> and then just, I don't know what that is, just kind of a weird Martian kind of a thing. And so, okay, all silliness aside, but uh, today we're going to look at that sometimes we get the wrong understanding of God or scripture because we look at it from the wrong angle. And so we're going to try to look at it from a different angle today, what some of the things we may go through. Now, we've been talking about since Easter, we've been talking about this resurrection life, we've entitled this All Things New, that, that something happened at the resurrection. There's a power that happens, is available in our life because of, uh, of the resurrection. Pastor Ed did a great job last, last week helping us really clearly understand that this is about God's power, not our power. That it's all about getting plugged into the right source that truly changes our life and, and renews our life. Now, when I think about all things new, I oftentimes think about a new car. Any of you have been able to buy a new car lately? Uh, you know, it's, there's, there's no dings. I love that when there's no dings. I love the new car smell. Uh, I love all things about a new car. It's a really cool thing other than the payment. And, um, and then I think about all things new. I think about just springtime. Has this not been an amazing springtime? I mean, we've seen more growth and flowers earlier and longer than, than I think in, in many, many years. And, but if you also notice that I, uh, uh, I drive a, a pre-college tuition car right now. Um, and so it's eight years old, and it will, I will be driving it for a few more years. But I go to a, a car wash that will actually spray new car smell in it. Have any of you had that? And so um, I just say new car smell. And, and when it's done, I step into it, and for like five minutes, it smells like a new car. I can kind of close my eyes and envision it. But then it kind of starts mixing with all the stuff I've been 
um, hauling in that car and all the humans I've been driving in that car for the last eight years, and it gets just a little funky. Have you noticed that? Or have you noticed, you gardeners, that the weeds are growing as fast or faster than the flowers are um, this season? And so what do we do when this new life, this all things new that is happening in our life, when it comes face-to-face with challenges, when we have weeds that are growing up in the midst of this? Today, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to take a look at one of the great leaders of the church, the Apostle Paul. As you read through the book of Acts, you can really get details more on his life. And most of us are familiar with Paul. Paul was persecuting the Christians, these new followers of Christ. And then he had this dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road. And he became a powerful force in the Christian church. He went, he planted churches throughout the land. He had incredible miracles following him. He was powerful in so many ways as he went from town to town to town. And he also made a whole lot of people mad in the midst of it. So Paul gets to Jerusalem. He's arrested for no apparent reason. He appeals and says that he's a Roman citizen. And so he's thrown into prison a little north of Jerusalem awaiting to be sent to Rome. Paul spends two years in that prison waiting to be sent. Finally, they put him on a ship bound for Rome. Many of you know the story. A terrible storm comes up. There's a shipwreck. He almost loses his life. He finally gets to shore, and he gets a snake bite of all things. Paul is going through all of this, and they finally get him to Rome, and he's housed in a private house, but he's chained to a prison guard. So Paul has a prison guard chained to him, and every four hours they change out the prison guard. But 24 hours a day for over two more years, Paul sits chained to a guard day in and day out, everything he's doing. I think it would be easy for Paul to go, God, you had this great call on my life. I was being effective. I was being powerful. I have things to do. And I'm stuck here in a prison doing nothing with someone chained to me all the time. I think I would start having an attitude. How do you think you would respond in that particular situation? I think certainly I would be going, okay, God, is this how it's going to end? I thought there was this great plan, and I've been trying my best and dependent on you. Is this how it's going to end? God, coach, put me back in the game here. There's a lot to be done. Yet Paul sees it from a different perspective. I certainly know a different perspective than I would have. We get a hint of his response in the book of Philippians. If you read the book of Philippians, which uh, was one of the churches, early churches that Paul started, uh, we also um, believe that can be argued that this was probably his favorite church. Um, You can see it in his heart. He had a love uh, for the Philippians. But throughout the whole book of Philippians, he's basically saying, don't worry about what's happening to me. It is going to be okay. God is bigger than this. God is going to work this out. Evil will not have the final word here. So that's the theme that we hear through all of Philippians. So let's jump into Philippians for a minute. Philippians 1 verse 12. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. 
Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, what has happened to me, I think, has got to be one of the biggest understatements of all times. That's a little bit like Luke Skywalker saying that, hey, my, you know, my sister and I had a little bit of falling out with our dad. Um, or Harry Potter going, you know, I just ran into a little bit of trouble at school. If you look through the whole story, you'd have to read the whole book of Acts to get the picture of what Paul, Janice, started kind of talking about that story. But everywhere he went, there was trouble. Every city he went into, he came up against those that were against what he was trying to do. He was arrested more times than we could count. He was thrown in prison. He had, um, you know, the, the shipwreck, the snake bite, the constantly um, these kinds of things going wrong. Yet he had a different perspective on these. Um, so today we're going to look at the fact that as we live in this new life, as we live in this all things new existence, that there are still going to be things that can happen to us, probably will happen to us. There are going to be challenges. But we can learn with the right attitude and the right perspective, we can learn to suffer well. Now, some of you just checked out on me. What did he just say? <laughs> suffer well? He's going to talk about suffering? I wish I had stayed in bed. Um, some of you just don't like to think about bad things. It's like, I just don't want to think about it. Um, aren't we not supposed to think about it? Matter of fact, uh, aren't we just supposed to? Isn't that a bad confession? As a matter of fact, to, to think about something bad. But there is a way um, with the right understanding and the right perspective. And that's why I'm so thankful about the Bible. I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that it speaks the truth. Now, there are some Eastern religions that suggest that suffering is just an illusion, that it's not actually really happening to you. So just get your mind off of it. With certain meditations and certain things, you can just get your mind off of it, and eventually it'll just go away. But our scripture says in John 16, in this life, you will have difficulties. It doesn't say you may have or every once in a while, but you will have difficulties. We're not going to have time today to answer every question about why does bad happen in the world. The broad answer would be because humans are allowed a certain degree of freedom. And with that freedom, we have chosen to rebel. And some of the humans hurt other humans. And that brings pain. And that brings suffering in our world. We have pain in the world that we live in. But in spite of that, God is still in charge. And someone's calling. God is still in charge, and he is about redeeming, repairing, and restoring all of our lives. God is bigger than what is happening around us. I love it when, it, when uh, Brent just said the scripture of, in this life you will have difficulties. How does that end? Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God has good for us in our lives. So we're going to take a look at this from the perspective of Paul today. might be a little bit different angle than you're used to looking at. It's not a formula. We just want to take a look at one of God's guys and see what God did in and through him as he was advancing the gospel. In the midst of suffering, we don't see Paul disillusioned and cranky. In fact, in Philippians, he says, rejoice. We see Paul finding joy in the midst of the circumstances that he's in. How can that be? Paul seems excited. Why would you be excited 
to be chained to someone 24 hours a day. In Rome at this particular time, they had about 6,000 army men that were within, um, they were palace guards that were within the city. Most of them were there to guard the emperor, but they had some that actually were the ones that were chained to the prisoners. So here's Paul chained to some of these prison guards. They're rotating in and out every four hours. Paul has a captive audience. He's got somebody with him to talk to 24 hours a day. And from what we know of Paul, I think he probably talked quite a bit. So he has these men with him, and he can say, do you know why I'm in chains? I'm in chains because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the conversion experience that I had. You think you know the king? You think you guard the king? I know the true king of kings and lord of lords. He had a one-on-one audience with guard after guard after guard. And you know that some of them had to go back to the barracks and go, so did Paul tell you some of the stuff that he was telling me? Like why he's in prison and stuff? They had to talk about it among themselves. And I think by spending that much time with Paul and seeing his life, seeing how he lived, they came to know Jesus. They were introduced to the gospel because they were his captive audience by the chains that he had on him. And again, he says, because of these chains, somehow these chains became a big deal for him. Because of these chains. Paul saw it from a different perspective. Now, through studies, um, brain studies, and there's a lot of uh, current studies you've read about some of these, we realize that sounds have a real powerful influence in our life. Matter of fact, they're doing studies now with Alzheimer's victims or people with dementia, and you realize that if they play certain kinds of music or from a certain era, that the person just kind of lightens up and that kind of shell of a person all of a sudden starts connecting once again to those memories emotionally. We see this working with, with trauma victims or people who have gone through losses that, that they're kind of progressing through that, but all of a sudden they hear a sound and it kind of takes them back to that very moment. Well, can you imagine what life must have been like for Paul? Every moment of the day for four years. This is basically what... It, what he heard. This is what happened every, every time that he moved. He would roll over in bed at night while he was sleeping, and, and he would hear chains. He would stand up and walk to another side of the room, and he would hear this sound. Um, he would have to wake up the, the guard that was with him, and they would you know, walk across the room, and they would you know, clank the, this sound. And so this sound... Somehow, is that irritating enough for you? Um, the sound somehow became very powerful um, in, in Paul's life. But the sound that probably um, would have irritated most of us, that we would have thought about the band that was around our wrist and kind of how sore that was getting, or we might have woken up and a lot of our attitudes would have been, oh, the chains. Still in these stupid chains. But somehow, when Paul heard this sound, it was, oh, yeah, the chains. 
God's doing something here. Somehow, because he was able to see it from a different perspective, Paul was able to forge on and say, this, it's about what God is doing in this moment. You know the reason that Christianity outlived the Roman Empire? Chains. Um, it says in Scripture that because people heard about Paul and he was in chains for the gospel, that they fearlessly and courageously begin to talk about their faith. That because of what he went through, not only was he bold, but they were bold. Somehow, he saw that differently. Paul saw things from a bigger perspective. He saw the bigger picture of what God was doing. I think about the story of Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if any of you remember her or have heard of her. Corey Ten Boom and her sister were in a concentration camp during World War II that actually helped, Christ, uh, or helped the Jewish people escape from Nazi Germany. And they, were ended up, they ended up being arrested and they were put in a concentration camp. And Corey tells about one day really bitterly complaining to her sister because they had terrible lice in their particular barracks. And so they were miserable with the lice. And it's like, it's bad enough that we're here, but we have all this lice. And she was telling her sister that. And her sister said, Corey, I think we need to pray and thank God for the lice. And she was like, are you kidding me? Okay. So they prayed and they thanked God that they had lice in their barracks. Now, the thing that they found out after they left the concentration camp was because they had such a bad outbreak of lice, the prison guards would not come to their barracks. So they didn't come in and abuse the prisoners there like they did in some of the other barracks. And because the guards would not come near their barracks, they were able to proclaim the gospel, to pray out loud, to share God's word out loud with the people that were in the barracks with them. The lice actually served a greater purpose in furthering the gospel and even protecting them than if they didn't have them. God uses things in our life for good and to proclaim the gospel. Okay, it's puzzle time. Pull out your bulletins. If you have a bulletin, get it out. You've got pins and the seat backs in front of you. On the front of your bulletin, if you don't have a bulletin, our ushers may have a few extras that we could, we could pass out. How many of you didn't get a bulletin? Most of you have one. Okay. Ushers, do we have some extra? Or ushers? Um, maybe we can get a few extras. If you don't have a bulletin, really all you have to do is, um, is get an offering envelope and draw nine dots on it like this. Just don't tell the ushers I just told you to ruin an offering envelope. Okay? Um, and so if they don't get in here with the b bulletins, then just draw this on an offering envelope. Here we go. Here we got some bulletins. Okay? Now... So what I want you to do. Some of you may have done this before, and so don't cheat and tell your neighbor. What I want you to do is I want you to cover all nine of those dots. I want you to, with four straight lines, without picking up your pen. Go across all nine of those dots, four straight lines, without picking up your pen. You see it on the front of the bulletin. It's kind of, you see it real light. Those nine dots are on the very cover there. Keep up your, your hands if you don't have a bulletin. So just try. We're going to put a little music on. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds um, to do this. Some of you are Googling how to do this right now. That is cheating. 
Can't pick up your pen. Four straight lines. Diagonal's okay, but you can't pick up your pen. You've got to stay connected. It's got to be one continuous line. We'll have all the new college graduates come up and show us how to do it. I'm sure they all got it. Yeah. No, we won't put, we won't put that pressure on you. Okay. Anybody get it? Anybody get it? One smarty pants in the back room or the back row. I hear wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Let's look at the answer. Throw that up there. Serve you're going. Oh, you didn't say that we could go outside the boundary, did you? The only way you can do this is you've got to go outside the boundary. Did most of you try to stay inside the, what you thought was a boundary there? Why did you think there was a boundary? Well, because you made it up in your mind, right? Paul thought outside the lines. He wasn't stuck to his immediate emotional reaction to something. He thought outside the lines. And a different perspective. Now, he was not in denial. It's real important. Paul said, I am in chains. He's not just pretending here. You've been around people that just have to act like they're happy all the time? It's just irritating, isn't it? Um, they just, just have to act. That's not what Paul was doing. That's not the way he lived. He said, I am in chains. He acknowledged that he was in chains. God was simply pouring meaning into his chains because he was open to hear something different. God put meaning in His chains. Now today, some of you are experiencing something that you're chained to. If we're honest with ourselves, all of us are chained to something. It might be a relationship that you're struggling with right now. Some of you are going through a difficulty in your marriage and it feels like a chain. Some of you, it's a, it's a grown child that just isn't getting it. They are just going sideways, and you think about it every day. For some of you, it's a little child right now that's stressing you and that you're connected with. Some, some of you, it's a friend that, well, at least they used to be a friend. You thought they were a friend, and all of a sudden, things went sideways. It might be a relative. It might be a sibling. Some of you were talking about a job loss. For some of you, it's a boss that you're chained to that just has not done you right. For some of you, it's an employee that you're trying to get straightened out. For some of you, you're dealing with financial difficulties, bankruptcy. For some of you, it might be an illness in your life or an illness in a family member's life. For some of you, it might be an injury that you've gone through and your life has just changed now. Your back just didn't hold out, hold up the way, the way that it used to. Whatever that chain is in your life, we have an opportunity. Now, most of us have 
tried and prayed for that chain to be taken away, and I don't know why. I don't know that we'll ever know why in, in our time right now, why that chain has not been taken away. It might be eventually, but it has not yet. But is it possible that God wants to do something in you while you're still chained? Not just to release you from the chains, but is he possibly wanting to do something in you while you're still chained? Is it possible that the message of Christ could go forward because of the chains in a greater way than it could have if you weren't chained? Is it possible that there are certain people in your life right now that would not be in your life if you weren't experiencing the chains? Is it possible that, that there are people that are watching how you're handling your chains, and because of how you're allowing God's grace to flow through that, that they are experiencing something about God that they would have never, if they, never would have if they hadn't had an opportunity to watch you deal with your chains? It is, po- is it possible that the next time you hear the clunk of your chains or you're reminded of however, whatever it is that reminds you of that, a phone call, an interaction, a bank statement, whatever it is, is it possible instead of anger and depression and discouragement that our response could be, oh, chains, God's up to something. What might he be up to? What, what's he doing? What does he want to do? Um, through these chains. And we want to make it clear, we're not saying that God is causing bad things to happen in your life. Sometimes people are so fatalistic that it's like something bad happened to me. Well, I guess this is God's will for me. And so they get stuck in that type of thinking. It is not God's will for children to be abused. It's not God's will for marriages to be destroyed or families to be broken up. It's not God's will for friends to betray friends. But we do know that God is good and he has a way. Scripture shows us clearly he has a way to work even the worst circumstances in our lives for good. We can trust him in that. He is good. We don't know how. But somehow he works out your circumstances for good. Some of you may say that uh, because of what I'm going through, I think God's punishing me. Some people have kind of a victim mentality that, that, um, that you know, I, he just must, must be against me. Now, that's not the nature of God. But let's look at reality here because there are some laws that are active in the world, the law of sowing and reaping. If you're a student and you don't study, you might possibly suffer a bad grade. If you cuss out your employer, you will quite probably suffer unemployment. If you eat too much and sweat too little, you will, pro- <laughs> um, you will probably suffer somehow uh, in your life. If you spend too much and save too little, you will probably suffer. If you cross sexual boundaries that are very clear in Scripture and kind of thumb your nose to God's plan, you will probably suffer. And there are some that don't even get the understanding of, 
of what the response had actually something to do with what they did because, again, that kind of victim kind of thinking that something must be against me and rather than realizing, no, this is a natural consequence of, of what I just did. But most of the time, I would suggest, more often than not, it has nothing to do with that. Stuff happens. Sometimes bad things happen to very good people. And it's hard. You go through that and you start questioning yourself. I know when we went through miscarriages and then our our son developed a, a terrible kidney disease, it's like, what have we done wrong? What are we doing that's messing everything up in our lives? Sometimes bad things happen to us. And we're not going to necessarily know the explanation of why at this particular time. We can cling on to the fact that God is good. But even people that are doing what is right can encounter some difficulties. Matthew 5.45 says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But when we go through these things, we know that God is bigger than anything bad that comes our way. We know that we can trust him in the midst of everything and that he is good. Even when we can't yet see the good, we know that he is good and we know that we can trust him to work things out. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph was his father's favorite son and his father made sure everybody knew it. And so his brothers became very jealous of him and decided to kill him. And then we're like, oh, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. Great option. Um, So he's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. Even in prison, he does good and he is performing in a good way and bad things happen to him. He ends up being in prison for 14 years until he finally gets out. And he becomes second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. He's finally rewarded for all of his hard work and his good attitude. And you know the story how there was famine in the land and his brothers end up coming to him because they need food because there's famine in the land. And he lets them know, I'm your brother Joseph that you sold into slavery. Well, their father dies and the brothers begin to panic. It's like, ah, now he's going to take revenge on us. Now he's going to get back at us for what we've done to him. But Joseph had one of the greatest statements ever in Scripture, the greatest statement of faith that all of us can use. It's in Genesis 50, 20, and it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. What is intended for our harm, God has an incredible way of turning it together for good in our life and so that the gospel can be proclaimed. God is bigger than the circumstances. That's what Joseph's saying. Whatever has happened, my God is bigger than what's happening. Paul's saying that. God's bigger. Even in chains, God is bigger than that. And he goes on in verse 15 in Philippians and says, as we close here, says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Because of this, even in my chains, I rejoice. Now, there's a question about who these people were that were preaching Christ falsely. Many believe that they were actually followers of Jesus, but they, were, they just had a twist about them. And a matter of fact, that they were using some things against Paul. And the way I kind of see it is, is uh, they were saying, you know, brothers, we don't know why your pastor Paul is in prison. You know, we, bless his heart. Um, maybe it's time for you to come to our church. You know, our pastor's just really good. He would never do anything that would cause him to go to prison. And so, so why don't you, have you heard that kind of stuff out of Christians? You know, we're a competitive lot, aren't we? Um, people say the darndest things when it comes to seeing people of faith or churches go through difficulty. Have you heard what's happening down there at that church? Well, bless their heart, you know. And, and have you heard about that leader and what they went through? And do you know how ugly that is to God when we do that um, in, in our family of faith? Do you know how ugly that is to a neighbor who's trying to figure out God and trying to sort out the nature of God. But Paul is saying, it doesn't matter what they're saying or what their motives are. It doesn't matter because his kingdom, his will is going forward. That's the only thing that matters. The point is Jesus. The point is what's being proclaimed here. Now, to tell you the, how big this story was, and what power was behind it that Paul could not have even understood at this point. We have to go a couple of centuries ahead. And historians begin to look back at how in the world did this message of Christianity become so powerful um, in the culture in just such a, a short period of time. And one of the things, you remember the palace guards? One of the things that was tradition for these palace guards, remember, many of them were chained to Paul. And it, this became a fascination in the culture of this guy is chained and in prison, yet he rejoices and he's talking about this king of kings and lord of lords. And what does that mean? And without going into what they thought of Caesar and that he was lord and all of those kind of things, something began to stick. It was tradition that when these palace guards, it was come time for retirement, that what would take place is in the Roman Empire, one of the things that they had a lot of was land. And so they would take one of these Roman guards and they would commission him to move someplace in the, in the empire all the way throughout Europe and northern Africa. It was a big, vast uh, region. And they would send these palace guards out. And many of them had come to faith. They had come to believe in Jesus, the way and what was happening here. And so they would move into a community and, and they would obviously respect. This is one of the elite of the elite. This is one of the palace guards of Rome that has now moved into our community. And they would begin to listen to their stories talking about, about Jesus. So much so that one scholar, Justo Gonzalez, says that this is the only explanation on how Christianity spread so deeply into the culture in the next many years. For there was no mass communication, no transportation. Of course, we know there's no television, no books, none of those kinds of things. So it was not even just through the message of Paul or those believers in those early churches 
The one of the key reasons this message of Christ took over the Roman Empire was through the testimony of the Roman army. Bam! Can can you believe that? This story is going to go forward. This story is not going to be hindered because it is a power beyond our understanding. In the midst of chains, the reason that, again, Christianity overcame the power of the Roman Empire was because Paul, he saw his chains in a different perspective. We've got the same understanding, the opportunity. God uses the very people that are holding him captive. He uses those very people and the testimony of their life to move his kingdom forward. So chains can be a reminder. They can be an irritant. They can be, I just can't wait to get out of this. And we will continue to pray for whatever chains you find yourself in. We're going to continue to pray for healing in your life. We're going to begin to continue to pray for restoration in relationships, for restoration of finances and businesses and jobs, and of course. And we see God do that over and over again. But today, with the place that we find ourselves, the chains that we're connected to, Let's look at it differently. Let's let our voice be, God, don't waste these chains. Don't don't waste what I'm going through. Let me see it differently. Let my eyes be open. Let my ears be unplugged to be able to see what you desire to do in my life and through my life today. Mm -hmm. Father, each of us come to you right now. And if we pass the microphone around, we would hear about all different kind of chains. We'd hear... Um, a lot of the different examples we gave, there's a bunch that I didn't even mention. And you know where each person is at. You know the frustration, how many have prayed over and over again. There's been a lot of tears shed over this. Some are still numb. They just can't hardly believe that they're finding themselves in the circumstances they are. But wherever we're at today, Lord, we pray that you will pour meaning into our chains that you will give us a different perspective of what the big picture is, that we will not miss it, that we will not misunderstand, and that we will not just long for, we can only wait to live and have kingdom life and resurrection life when these chains are gone. Give us a different view of our chains. We trust you, King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're bigger. You're bigger. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, Sanctuary. It's good to see you this morning. Um, at this time, we're going to go ahead and get ready to uh, take up an offering for this End Malaria campaign. Um, World Vision, we're partnering up with, is based out of uh, Seattle, and they do all kinds of work all around the world for children. Um, and for just $3, you can help save a life. Um, these nets are pretty simple looking, but they represent a person. So for $3, um, it actually goes for an individual's bed and kind of goes up, and it helps protect them from mosquitoes that help end malaria. So at this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come on forward, and we're going to pray over this offering. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us, um, and we thank you that we live in a place where we don't have to worry about malaria with our children. But God, give us a heart to um, love those who do have to worry about this and show them Christ's love by supporting them and blessing them. We ask that you would use this money for your kingdom um, to further the gospel all around the world. We love you and we give you thanks. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray.
Amen. As those uh, buckets are being passed, my, uh, my band called The Brilliance just was on tour um, this uh, last month with my brother's band called Gunger. And we got to go all around um, the nation as well as up to Canada, all kinds of cool places. Um, but while we were in San Diego, uh, we were playing at this place called the House of Blues, a really cool concert, you know, it's packed. Um, and during the concert, every uh, night we would talk about World Vision because they were one of our sponsors. And so we would talk about how they change lives for children by uh, supporting them through food and education. And as I was saying this, uh, a lady, like in the second row, shot up her hand. And she's probably like 20 years old. And I said, uh, yes, because I thought maybe I gave like wrong information, which was mistake number one, even acknowledging the hand. But I said, yes. And she, she goes, not money, Jesus, and started screaming. And like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a packed like place. And I'm like, okay. And she's screaming, making this scene. And so I just go, well, you know, Matthew 25, Jesus said, anytime you give even a glass of water to the least of these, you do it for Jesus. And I talked about Paul and about how he said, we are the body of Christ and how we're to go out into the world and show Christ's love. And she just said, not money, and started screaming. And so they, luckily, it's House of Blues, so they have these big, burly, like, men that came up and picked her up and started to take her out. And she was screaming, kicking these guys. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, our next song is a slow song. You know, so I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is so awkward. Um, a lot of times, Christians can be really awkward and give a weird name to Jesus. I cannot tell you how wonderful it is to come home to a church that gives Jesus a good face and that goes to the world and does good because you get it. So thank you for being a wonderful church. Thank you for being a church that gives and shares the name of Jesus in this way. Would you stand up together? Uh, let's sing this doxology.